0: Hey man, how's everybody doing this morning? You good? Everybody look at your neighbor and say, it sure is good to see you this morning. Yeah, you really got to throw in that sure, S-H-O-R-E, S-H-O-R-E or something like that. Um, one other announcement before we get going here um, is Hope Youth will kick back in February. And uh, they want to encourage everybody throughout the month of January, um, like Andre just mentioned, we're going to be having prayer nights on those Wednesday nights, so we encourage you guys to be in attendance of that. But before we move forward, let's just have a word of prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much uh, for your goodness. And God, I'm a, a broken man, a broken vessel, and um, God, I need you this morning, and we all need you this morning. We need Um, ears to hear God hearts to accept what you would have for us God I pray that you would just speak to your people this morning share with them what you would have them to know and what you want them to to understand moving into this new year God we just give you this entire service God have your way in it move amongst your people we love you so much and we thank you so much for your goodness and we give it all to you in Jesus name amen so Clay uh, did a, a, a pretty good intro into some of what we're going to be talking about. But where's my, like, resolution people? Show of hands. Anybody, like, a resolution person? No? Okay. There's. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I'm kind of... Is anybody, like, like anti-resolutions? Like, uh, Clay's like, no. I'm, <laughs> so, so no matter where you fall, uh, I'm kind of mixed on them, I, I guess. Um, the end of the new year... Or the end of the year and the beginning of a new year does provide this like start-stop, right? It's like it's like the end of something and the beginning of something else. And and I think whether you you set goals or resolutions or new things or or whatever the case may be, um, I think we whether we realize it or not are kind of thinking on the things that went well this past year, thinking on the things that we enjoyed, that we liked, maybe that we we did well that. Um, And and then there's things that, of course, we want to make better. There's things that we want to change about our lives. And so the beginning of the new year, it is that. It's that, that launch pad. And I think as the church especially, if we can use it and see it as that, it is a good time to really use it as a launch pad to propel us forward into the new year. And as Clay was talking there too, you know, if I think back on it, a lot of breakthrough in my life has also been in January. It's been in, a, in a, a season of fasting or a season of prayer and I was going through something very dark or whatever the case may be and it's in that that I received a lot of direction, a lot of guidance and things like that. So it is a wonderful time of year and, and I just encourage you as we go into the new year to be prayerful about that. And we're going to dive into a few things uh, this morning. But but anyway, in terms of resolutions, I think we have kind of a broken system a little bit. and I I hope all this makes sense. Um, But sometimes we set really intense, lofty resolutions, goals. um, And we have a lot of them. (laughs) I've been working out the past couple months with this guy named Zach. And uh, he's an intense guy. And so he messaged me the other day before Christmas. He was like, all right, this year we're going to be killers. I'm talking 500-pound deadlifts, five-minute miles. I'm like, have you ever felt of a 500-pound barbell? or tri-? Like, I've been in kind of decent shape before and run a mile, and at the end of it, think I'm I like, this, I am flying right now. Look down, it's like 13 minutes, 42 seconds. <laughs> Most people can, like, walk faster than that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so, so, no, it, but at the same token, you know, it, even that's a little side note. I think it's good to have accountability. Uh, people like that in your life to push you past where you normally would go. And and let me be clear with this too. What I'm saying this morning is to, I'm not saying don't set goals, don't set resolutions, don't have lofty uh, or or intense goals that you want to achieve. I think even God sometimes really tests our faith and calls us to things that are beyond what we can do. Uh, Not just talking about, I mean, that's a silly example with working out, but in all seriousness, I think the Lord calls us to some of those things. But, Overall, the world that we live in is based on extremes. It's all about the biggest and the best and the most of everything. It's more money, more power, better positions, better houses, bigger houses, better cars, more ministry, all those things. It's it's the extremes of everything. And really, I think what we do a lot of times is rather than doing anything really well, We do a whole lot very poorly, and especially at the beginning of the year, we get pumped up or fired up. Like when I got that text message, I'm like, "Yes!" And then, like you know, come like February, like Super Bowl, it's like I can't laugh the grilled cheeses. You know what I'm saying? Or like the the Mountain Dews. Like the discipline comes in. It's hard for us, right? We we have this sense, and we see how far we have to go. Maybe you 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 see these goals and you you want these things for your life, but it just seems so far out of reach, and it seems like there's so much that you need to accomplish to get to this place of like fulfillment. And what happens is, is that pressure comes, and rather than doing anything at all, we kind of just settle into nothing, and we just settle back in again. January strong, and then February, March, before you know it, it's like October, and you're like, "Well, I'll try again next year," kind of thing, right? And so. It's overwhelming. Now, I want to argue a different type of system this morning. Now, you've heard the saying, don't miss the forest for the trees, right? Which is kind of alludes to this idea of, you know, when it, don't, don't miss the big picture. Don't, don't, you know, there's a lot of little things, the trees that are going to get in, in the way every day. But like, don't lose sight of the big picture, right? I'm going to say this year, don't miss the trees for the forest. And what I mean by that is the little things, the trees, are what make up the forest. And there's a lot of beauty in the everyday, mundane, normalcy of life. Like, if we can learn to get the little things right... It's then that we'll start to see the big picture, and the big picture will unfold. I watched a, a video recently, one of my favorite filmmakers, he uh, was talking about mediocrity. And he said, everything in life, 6 out of 10, and that's okay, because beauty is found in mediocrity. Now, when you hear that, like, I told my wife that, I, was, I asked her this past week, like, what do you think when you hear that? And for us, it kind of, I don't know about you, but it sets uneasy with us when you first hear that. Like, what, be mediocre? Like, don't, don't shoot for the stars, <laughs> you know? And again, I'm not saying don't settle lofty goals, but I am saying that we can oftentimes miss the most important things in trying to focus on the extremes of everything else. You guys with me so far? The title of my message this morning is Extraordinarily Ordinary... The Art of Living Uncommonly Common Lives. That's probably the best title I'll ever come up with. If I ever write a book, probably won't. Maybe Claire write a book and he can use this title one day. Um, i <laughs> here's some comedic relief. I'm gonna show you about a fifteen second clip that's just it's just funny. It's just good. So here we go. How does that make you feel? See, I can't tell you that, but he can, and it's funny. Um, but, but would you believe that there's actually some verses to back up his point? Would you believe that? There, there is. There is. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 read this. But we, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. Did you guys know this was a verse in the Bible? Ain't that good stuff? Like when do you ever hear that in the world? Like like just be quiet. Mind your business. Work hard with your own hands. Then you'll be a good example, and then you'll lack nothing. I mean, there's a lot of power in that. When I I heard someone say that earlier this year, and it's kind of stuck with me for several months now, and I think it's, it's extremely important. Just to lay a little bit of, of background, Paul is writing this to the, the church in uh, Thess- Thessalonica, nica, nica, Thessalonica. And, and so the book of 1 Thessalonians is broken up like this. Chapters 1 through 3 are these like Thanksgiving celebration chapters. It's like, man, they have come from worshiping false gods, turning to Jesus despite persecution, they're on fire, boom, celebrate that. And then the last two chapters, Paul's like encouraging them, hey, keep growing, keep getting after it, keep, keep going. And honestly, it's a really good template for our lives. I think going into the new year, like if you don't take anything else out of this, like look back and be thankful for, for where God has brought you from and the things that He's doing in your life. And also have a heart towards growth. Just don't get stagnant. All right, so that's where we are in this. And um, again, you, you don't really hear these types of things when we're talking about reaching and influencing people. In, in the culture in the world that we live in today, we feel like we always have to have a comment for everything. I'm, listen, I'm talking to me a lot here. I really am. I feel like a couple of years ago, one of the things that the Lord said in January during prayer and fasting was like, you need to close your mouth and open your ears. And, I, and every year at the beginning of the year, I kind of hear that again because I've yet I to listen to it. I think. <laughs> it's, I'm trying to get better, you know. We all are. Um, but in all seriousness, I think there's there's a lot to that, right? And in, in the world that we live in today, it's we got to put everything out there. We got to share everything. We got to have a comment. We got to have an answer for everything, and it's exhausting. And so this is a different message entirely. And so, point number one is lead a quiet life. Now you introverts are like in your mind right now going yes. And my, my extrover, the extroverts, like me, we're like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I, I've gotten it wrong all this time? Now, I think leading a quiet life is, is broken up into two uh, sections, uh, really. It, it's, there's there's the output and there's input. So first and foremost, quite literally, I think there's a time to watch your output in terms of being quiet. I know for me, again, for example, I talk a ton. If we're in a group of people, like, I'm, I'm one of those, it's like, you're, you never, we ever watch those people that, like, you can see their mouth moving, just they're waiting to, like, interject with, like, their comment. It's like someone else is talking, but then, like, you're ready to, like, oh, I, I've got something for this, you know, I've got a story. Um, so I think there is a time to, like, learning to listen. And then especially in prayer, too, I talk a whole lot, and it's the listening part that I struggle with. Some some of you may not be that way, but I'm just, you know, in general, that's... So quite literally, learning to to, to lead a life where we we don't, we realize we don't have to have a comment or an answer for every single thing. And then there's input. The world is noisy, y'all. Extremely noisy. And there's some sources of that noise we're going to look at. Um, There's four of them that I've got listed here. The first one is social media overload. We have constant notifications. If we're quiet enough for probably just a few minutes, we could probably hear someone's phone go ding. (laughs) It's constant notifications all the time, updates, and there's this pressure to present a curated version of your life. And we feel that pressure. So we have social media overload. We have information overload that, you know, sometimes comes through social media. But we have an abundance of news and emails and comments from everybody and their their brother and podcasts and, and everything else that bombards us daily. So much info all the time. Number three, we have extremely busy schedules. Like hectic schedules. Now we've said this, in, and I've said this in a sermon before, but you know, so busy that you look around and, and the weeks went by and you've not had one family dinner with your kids, with your wife, with your husband around the dinner table. And so life is busy trying to keep up with everything else and lifestyle and pack calendars and all these activities and it's a lot. And then there's just technological distractions. And, and, you know, the the, the devices and everything else, there's apps, there's games, there's gadgets that demand our attention, that naturally pull toward us. I'm going to share a quick example that I honestly didn't want to share because it's embarrassing. Um, We took my son last night to, he's been doing karate and jujitsu, and they had a banquet. And we were sitting there at the table, and Brenda was asking about... um, like belts, how the belts work, like white belt, black belt, all that good stuff. And every like, he's like, yeah, I know them. And he, like, spat them out, like, without a blinking an eye. He was like, yeah, there's white, there's yellow, there's orange, there's, I don't know, there's stripes in between, and, like, you know, there's brown, then there's black. And I'm like, son, how'd you know that? And he was like, well, I, I see the belts at uh, the gym. They're hanging there. And then he said this to me. He said, if you didn't look at your phone all the time when we were there, you would see it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't act like you don't do that. Don't don't even play that game. Don't act like when you go to the restaurant, you and your wife sit there on social media the whole time and not talk to. You. Now I'll play that. We're all guilty. Right? At first I wanted to be like defensive, like I actually said this. I was like, do you watch me get my hair cut when we go get a haircut? He's like, Dad, you're getting a haircut. (laughs) So, anyway, that's a hard pill to swallow, but it really is true, right? Like, we have so much that pull for attention all the time. So why should we lead a quiet life? Um, There's a couple different things that I want to point out here. This first one, I believe, if you seriously, if you don't take anything away from this whole message, take this away. The first one, the reason we should lead a quiet life is presence. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Learning to be still. If there is one thing that I learned this year uh, that I look back and I can celebrate, is Clay gave us a challenge several months ago to like, take a walk outside, pray out loud, remove yourself from distractions, and just kind of spend some time with the Lord. And I began doing that And I can't describe to you the difference that that made in my life. Just talking out loud, one, and then just getting away in the quiet, outside. What you do in those moments is you create opportunities. We went to uh, the jail before Christmas. We go every year and we give a card and we give a, a candy cane out to the inmates and it's broken up into different cells. And before we go in, the guard goes in and, say, and says, like, Hey, these people are here to see you. They're going to tell you about Jesus and, and give you some things. And, and people, they, they have a, a, an opportunity to not listen. And there was one gentleman who told the guard, he said, What has God ever done for me? And he opted to not listen to what we had to say. And when we went out, uh, Clay said, what I wanted to tell him is that God had give, has given him an opportunity. And really that's what he's presenting to each and every one of us, is an opportunity. He's not a genie in a bottle that's going to show up and fix all your problems. But he is, he is offering to you this way of life that is different than the world. And you will never discover that, or sense it until you find the quiet time. It's in the quiet moments, that's when you're able to hear. It's when you're able to receive insight. It's when you're able to receive direction for your life. If you, if you don't ever have that, and it's just noise... Then you, you, you go, you live life, you go to work, you do the things, you come to church, maybe you sprinkle in a prayer here and there, but you still, and you guys know the feeling I'm talking about, you still feel like like things are messy, right? Like there's, no, there's still no clear kind of direction, if you will. And that stuff is found in the quiet place. And so that's what the Lord is offering us is that. He's offering us opportunity. It's up to us to cash in on that, and to take advantage, and to remove noise, to put some things down, to set some things aside, to reprioritize our life, and to, to make time for the Lord to speak to us. Because a lot of times he's, He can be speaking, but because we have so many things going on in our head, we don't catch it, we don't hear it. And unfortunately, we look to a lot of different things for answers. When we're going through trials, we're going through life in general. Rather than going to God and allowing him to pour in, we go to other things that are just really just false answers that leave us still all the broken. Number two is rest. Anybody just feel tired all the time? Like, all, like every day? It just you're just like tired. I really don't, and I'm, I'm still wrestling with a lot of this, y'all. Like, I really don't know that that's how life is meant to be lived. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that, that what we do each and every single day, week in and week out, I don't know if that's like the design that the Lord intended. I think it's not. I think we got so much out of balance and out of whack. And we're just, again, we go into survival mode. And I don't mean to paint like this negative picture or whatever. I'm just trying to point out some like things that I feel and struggle with. And and going into the new year, I think the Lord is offering for us a different way. And we have to be mindful of it. But when we carve out time for rest, or or we carve out time for the quiet, we invite in rest. And, And even the Lord and His disciples, they were busy people. Listen to this verse. Isaiah 30, 15 says, For thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. And quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Now, I'm not going right here to really point number three, which is Jesus' example, but listen at Mark 6.31 right here. It says, And He said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. The thing you find with Jesus and His example is, Is that he was busy going to and from places and talking to thousands of people and performing all these miracles and all these things. Can you imagine the weight of all that? And so he was busy, like us, living life, but he set this beautiful example of balance. And you read in multiple verses, even, you know, another example is Mark uh, chapter 1, verses 35. And it talks about. Going to a quiet place. And you read that over and over again, right? Early in the morning, he arose and went to a a quiet place to spend time with God. He's our perfect example. And we, as well, have to do that. In the middle of our busyness, we can't just get into a flow and never stop and never prioritize these times. If we want to live an effective life day in and day out, we have to, we must set aside time for the quiet and go into that place where we can receive again rest for ourselves and it's like a refueling for us. And the last point here is balance. And that's really what I was pointing to just then is is when we live a quiet life, when we remove the noise, we open up this possibility for balance in our life. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 through 7 says this. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. And the point here, again, is when you live this quiet life, I'm not saying the whole year, don't say anything. <laughs> Obviously. Or like every day, all day long, just go in the woods and be by yourself. Like that's, we're talking about balance here. There is a time to speak. There's a time to enjoy life and celebrate and do all those things. But there's also times for the quiet. There's also times where we need to to celebrate with our brothers and sisters. We need to rejoice. There's other times when we need to come alongside and we need to mourn with. We need to weep. And so there's balance in life. And it's something that we really struggle with, I feel like, is having any type of balance. We're just like one gear, boom, wide open, or like stagnant and nothing. There is no balance in the middle there. Number two here, y'all are going to love this one. Mind your own business. (laughs) Does that hit home to anybody? (laughs) Mind your own business. Two big things when talking about minding your own business is competition and comparison. We place an emphasis so much on success and position and material things. And again, going back to like the, the, the causes of or the sources of, of the noise, social media and all that world. I'm going to go back to that a couple of times because it's, it's so true. When that's there, what we do is revert to this. And this happens, you don't have to be sitting there thinking, I want to outdo that person. But what you start to do is you compare. And then there's like this like little bit of competition going on. It's like, well, I want to I get above this person. I want to get ahead of that person. I want my life and my family and the things that I have to, to match status quo and, and what the world deems as success. And we start to feel that. It's, what we're, it's the input that we're having in our lives, and, and that's what we start to live out. And before you know it, even in ministry, people are working together alongside of each other. But deep down, there's like this little bit of, like, I'm trying to outdo you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm trying trying to go above and beyond that. And so it's essential that we stay focused, I believe, on our own journey. And what God has called you into. And where he has you in your life. Because it's enough to manage that, right? And when you start trying to worry about everybody else and what they're doing, or what they're not doing, or what they have, or what you don't have, that's when all that stress comes in. So I did this the last time I preached. I kind of like these little diagnostic tests, but I'm going to throw this up there. And I want you to ask yourselves, like, how are you in these areas? Like stress levels, what's your stress level look like? I'm like I'm not everybody gets stressed occasionally, but like overall, is there like a a common ongoing stress in your life? And then can you can you trace it back to something? Is it because maybe maybe you are comparing your life to something else? Maybe you you are in competition. Comparison leads to this pressure to meet unrealistic standards and outperform other people. And when we don't meet those, stress comes in. Number two, what's your self-image and where do you find your validation? What are you looking to? Who are you looking to? as your kind of standard for the way a person should look or act or talk or be? And like, where is it that you go to to find like your source of like affirmation? Like I've arrived kind of thing. How about strained relationships? Maybe it's a relationship like your, your spouse. Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe even in ministry. Is there like strain there? Is there some t- type of tension? And then a big one here, lack of contentment. Are you always wanting more and worried about outdoing others? And when you compare and you compete, it leads to dissatisfaction. And at the end of the day, you're unable, you don't have the capacity to appreciate what you already have and where you already are. When the standard is everyone else, it's impossible for you to be content. So these are some big ones. Again, think about these. Be real with yourself. Because if you are, you can start to get to the root of some things that the the Lord may be wanting to uncover in your life in regards to some of this. And so why should we mind our own business? The first point i got here is is one, personal responsibility. Galatians 6, verses 4 and 5 says, But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. We have our own responsibility. We have our own lane. We have our own jobs, we have our own spouses, we have our own families, we have our own callings, we have our own passions, we have our own all of those. And you have a personal responsibility to steward those accurately. And when you mind your own business, you take the emphasis off of everybody else and what they're doing or not doing, and you put it on yourself. It removes this victim mentality. And it places upon you the question of, okay, what can I be doing here? Yes, this this may have happened to me. Maybe this is or isn't my fault. What can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? How, Lord, how do you want me to move into this new year? How do you want me to respond in this ministry? How do you want me to to work in, in my career, my occupation? The next one is humility. Philippians 2 3 says this Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. When you live a life of not minding your own business and you're in constant comparison and competition, the only option is to behave in a selfish way. Everything you do at the end of the day is for yourself in improving your position. And when you read, like when I read a a verse like this, like, Esteem others better than himself. How many of you could honestly say that you esteem others better than yourself? It's, it's, it's some hard words, I know. But if we ever want to get to a place where, here's another realization that I've had like this year, recently, is that like, I really believe that we've only begun to scratch the surface of what God wants to bring us into. There is so much that we, we, we don't even have a clue about we're in such this mode of life where it's the same system that we're, we're missing a lot of deep-rooted things. And until we're able to not just hear what I'm saying this morning, but, on, but actually take it and apply it and think about it and, and be willing to, to humble ourselves into it, we're never going to get into that. And I'm not, I'm not saying we'll ever, we'll, we'll ever arrive, but there's so much more that the Lord has for us, for this church, for you, for your family. But this is the recipe. This is the blueprint in order for it to come to pass. And the last one here is unity. 1 Corinthians 12.12 says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. If you think about a body, if, if my hand complained all the time because it didn't look like the foot, It didn't act like the foot. It couldn't do what the foot can do. The hand would miss its potential. The hand would not operate in the measure that it's meant to operate. And guess what? That is us as a body of believers. We are all called into different things. We all have unique giftings and talents and skills, callings passions, and if you're trying to be like everybody else and comparing yourself to everybody else, you're missing your potential. And if we're going to function as a body here at City of Hope Church in our community, if you're going to function in in your workplace and in, in your family and in your platforms, you have to take on your responsibility and do what God has called you to do, not what Clay's called to do. Not what I'm called to do. Not what worship leaders are called to do. Not what teachers are called to do. Whatever the case is, you have to stay in your lane and run your race like we heard earlier. We good? You guys good? Getting anything good out of this? Amen. Point number three, my last point. Um, Got a few other things though, so. Stick there. Stick there with me. Working with your own hands. Um, you know, when, when I'm preparing these messages and you're, you're thinking about these things, you try to come up with like these clever ways to present information, you know, that will really stick with people. I don't know that there's an easy way to say it. Like, simply put, you need to work hard. The disciplines that the Lord has provided to us with prayer and fasting and reading and a lifestyle following Jesus, it's 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 hard work. If you're ever going to arrive to a place where you're you're growing, it's hard work. It's the same, like you can use the physical, like even like when you're working out and stuff, it's hard work when you're putting your body your body through physical exercise, you're eating the right foods or whatever have you. And the thing with us is we want shortcuts for everything. Like everything in life, we want a shortcut for it. And yes, it may get you some measure of that thing, but it doesn't get you truly there, if that makes any sense. Like it, life can't be a shortcut, and some things just involve... A measure of, okay, I'm going to choose, like, I, I'm going to work hard. There's some, like, comp, like things that are kind of passing away in our culture, I feel like. Integrity and, like, work hard this year. Like, let that be one of your goals. Like, whatever I do, I'm going to work hard. Colossians 3.23 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Whatever you are doing in life, do it as if you're working for God and not for somebody else. One of the dangers that we can fall into is this. Um, we like to separate God. I'm going to talk about occupation for just a second because it consumes a, the major, a lot of time in our year, right? Our occupation and our work. What we do often is, is we remove God from the equation when we're talking about our occupation. When we make decisions regarding our job and our future, we remove God from the equation. As Christians, we really do in a lot of different ways. And so I want to I talk about a few things that we can do um, because it's unfortunate that you see there's a lot of people oftentimes, and I've been there, I've been in that place before where you're a Christian, you're trying to follow the Lord, but then you have your job. And you just feel, you don't feel content, you don't feel like there's a purpose there, you feel miserable, you don't know what to do. And you, you, Has anybody been there? Anybody been there? Maybe you're there now, I don't know. But you just feel incontent, in uncontent. So, let's talk about some things. Number first is seek God's guidance in prayer. That seems super simple, But a lot of times we don't even ask God what we should do. So so where's like younger people, like high school, college age people that are like you're focusing on, you're making decisions for your career? Or maybe you don't have to be in college, but like you're maybe you're in a place where you're you're thinking about your career. Bring God into those decisions. You need to go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to give you wisdom regarding your career. You need to ask Him to reveal your skills, your passions, the things that He's blessed you with. And then how how do you take those and then have an occupation through that? So that's, that's step number one, is just invite Him into that process. At first... I think when I was in college, I didn't, I didn't do well at that. Um, I was more interested, like I had a relationship with the Lord, but I was also just not really bringing Him into things. And as I did, man, like, like how I got here where I am now is like a roller coaster ride. It's wild. I never thought I'd be in this place, but I, I've tried to, as I got older especially, I've tried to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Here's these options. What, do I move, what direction do I move in? James 4, 2 and 3 says this. You desire and do not have, so you murder. And you know, something Jesus said also was, you know, if, if, He said if, if you kill another man, obviously you murder. But I say if you hate someone, what? You've committed murder in your heart. So I think it wouldn't be out of bounds to say that you desire and do not have, so you hate. How many, how many people, you've been in that place where you desire things, you want things, you see other people and where they're at and what they're doing, again, going back to comparison and all that, and you begin to, like, a little bit of bitterness takes place. A little bitterness comes in before you know it. Like, you just, maybe you don't hate a single person, but you just got some, like, mmm, like, I'm just, I'm just mad at the world right now. I'm in this place, and they have all that, and I'm here, and I'm miserable, and just, mm, you start to hate, right? You covet and cannot obtain. You fight and quarrel. Listen to this. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your own passions. So even when we are seeking God's guidance sometimes, What's the motive behind what you're at? Like, asking. When you bring God into the equation, are you just trying to use Him to get you where you want to be to make the most money and be in this position and do all this and do all that? You know what I'm talking about. So, like, we got to check our motives, right? Because sometimes the answer that you get from the Lord is not going to be the answer that you want to hear when it comes to Lay this position down. Don't go here. Don't make all the money. Don't do all this, but I want you to go here. Or vice versa. So you have to be open to what the Lord would have for you. Number two, align your values with biblical principles. I was talking with someone uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about her job, and she was sharing uh, with us that you know, there's some things that were coming down the pipe and like in her position that she didn't feel comfortable with. She felt like it went against her morals and what the Lord would have her to do, and so things didn't line up. And so what I'm what I'm asking you to do is like your your biblical values, your integrity, your character, the love, the service you have. If there's things in your job that isn't aligning with those. When you're making decisions, maybe that's not the best position for you. But, I will say this too. You will not find any position, including ministries, that's like, oh, they have it out, that's perfect. Like, everything is going to have its quirks. So, wherever you are, what are your biblical values, what's your standard, and then draw that hard line there. There's things that you just can't compromise. And then ask yourself this, where in this position can I begin to display the character of Jesus, the love of Jesus in my workplace? Where can you begin to be Jesus in those areas? And that's powerful, y'all. I mean, I think back to, like, when I worked at the high school. Man, the, the people, like, our hallway. <laughs> is, it brings me hope because there's people that are in those classrooms who love Jesus. And those kids are going in there every single day. And they have an example to look, look to. And you guys sitting right here, you know I'm talking about. I'm not going to name everybody because I'll miss something. Leaders, principals in this church, teachers that are holding a godly standard in public schools. And you're being Jesus in that, in that aspect. And that's true for wherever you are, in whatever position you can be. Jesus, you can display those values to everybody you're around. And when, and when you realize that, you find a sense of purpose. It's like, okay, yeah, things not, might not be great. There may be things that aggravate me and things I want to move from and, and, and this and that. But like, man, I got a purpose here. I know God can use me where I am right now. You don't have to make it here before you start letting the Lord use you, Right? And then also, even like, um, I had this, like, this thought, um, even if you're a student right now, I would have this spiel with my students when I was in high school every year, multiple times a year, and I would tell them, we we're talking about cheating. When you cheat, all you're doing, like, okay, what, if, if you're a student right now in college or whatever, you can show integrity By working hard, by studying, by learning, by not cheating. Even if you cheat and get by and get an A, you leave the class still as ignorant as you went into it. (laughs) Like, how is that serving your future? Like, what if, like nurses, like my wife, what if she just cheated her way through school? What if she passed? (laughs) And then I go into the doctor's office, she's like, I got my certificate, but. (laughs) I don't know what to do, you know. Uh, but no, but no in, all, in, in all aspects, whether you're a student, whether you're a, a leader in your job, whether you're a teacher, what, what, nurse, doctor, lawyer, police officer, whatever the case is, you can have integrity and do the right thing. Because the reality is you are... People perceive Jesus... And Christians, a certain way, when they see you, when they see your life, when they see how you act. If you're a college kid right now and you're like telling your buddies about a Bible study that you're having or coming to church and then you ask them to like write a paper for you, it's bad integrity, right? It's bad character. So what I'm arguing is, again, look at your values where you stand and then and hold true to those and be a good example in whatever capacity you're in. And then lastly, serve others through your work. No matter what you're doing, you can choose to serve people. You can choose to love people. Every occupation that I'm aware of, I don't know if, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're around people in some capacity. You're talking with people. You're interacting with people. You can choose to serve them. You can choose to love them. You can be Jesus to them, whatever that looks like. The last thing here, there's a beautiful promise in verse 12 that says that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, that you may lack nothing. So if we choose to lead a quiet life, we remove the noise, we remove the distractions, we create balance and we make time for Jesus to speak to us, to guide us, to direct us. If we choose to mind our own business, if we are not focused on everybody else, we're not in competition with everybody else, we're focused on what the Lord is doing in my life, how I can grow, how I can get better, what what are the things that I can do individually, and if we choose to just work hard, that is super simple on paper. And if we could somehow manage that this year and do those things... Look at the, You will walk properly towards those who are the... People will look at our lives as Christians and say, there's, there's something about them that's different that I want. There's something that's clicked for them that I don't have. And then here's the, the, the best thing, that you will lack nothing. And that's what we're all striving for at the end of the day. Regardless of your resolution or your goal or whatever it is you want this year, I think at the end of the day when it comes down to it, you just want to be fulfilled. You want to feel like your life has meaning and purpose and value and you're on the right course. And we all want that. And the promise here is that if we do those things, that's what we'll receive. We'll be a good example and we'll lack nothing. Isn't that good? That's good stuff right there. We can come to the music. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with a few prayers this morning. Now, I mentioned earlier that the, the book of First Thessalonians is broken into, up into two sections primarily of, of thanksgiving and celebration and then growth and encouragement. And Paul puts these three prayers sprinkled throughout the beginning, middle, and end of the book. And I think that These are three prayers that we should really pray into going into the new year. The prayers are this. One is a prayer of thanksgiving. The second is a prayer of endurance. And lastly is a prayer of hope. And I'm going to read these verses to us. The first one, a prayer of thanksgiving 1 Thessalonians 1, 1-5 says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor and of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, I hope this next year we can all celebrate that fact right there. I mean, listen to that. We have faith, we love, we're steadfast, we're full of hope. And that that those are beautiful things to strive for. For we know, brothers, for we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among among you for your sake. So again, the first one a prayer of thanksgiving celebrate where you are. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're still on the fence about this whole Jesus thing. Maybe you don't have a whole lot that you want to celebrate. And guess what? That's okay too. It's a beautiful morning to start that journey with the Lord so that you can experience the very things that I talked about, he talked about in that verse. Love, hope, endurance, steadfastness. Second is a prayer for endurance. 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 11 through 13 says, Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. The one thing that we really, really need is the ability to endure. The ability to remain in when times get hard and when times are good. Because no doubt, as the year progresses, you're going to have bits of both. And the question is, will you be able to endure when that comes? And we need the Holy Spirit's power to to even be, be able to accomplish those things to be able to endure we have to have him he's the source and then lastly a prayer for hope first thessalonians five twenty-three through 28 says now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ he who calls you is faithful he will surely do it everybody say he will surely do it, surely do it. amen Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So He who is calling us into this life, a simplified life, is faithful to keep us. Amen? And I feel like these are some of the main things that we can pray for. As you begin the new year tomorrow, and especially as we, we, again, we're going to focus on a time of consecration in January. We're going to be going into some prayer and fasting. I just pray that you would, you would keep these things on your heart and your mind and just let the Lord direct you and what you should do individually. But we need to do something. You need to do something. You need to take time, carve out time, that quiet time, to spend time with Him. Clay and I have talked about this before, but, um, you know, I don't, it may sound crazy, but I really want our church to be a praying church. I mean, that's the source of everything, right? I think it would be a great idea to flood these altars this morning. You know, sometimes we get this in our mind, like if I go to the altar, some, they're going to think something's wrong with me. Well, guess what? There is. <laughs> there is something wrong with you, and me too. If I ever get to the place where I'm too good to knee, put my knees on the floor and bow my face before Jesus, I better check my heart. Because, listen guys, we all need to come to a place, first and foremost, of humility before God. And so I encourage you to pray this morning. Seek God in these areas. Give Him thanks. Pray for endurance. Remember where your hope comes from. And again, if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus or you have questions, we'll be right here as well. I encourage you to come up and to talk to somebody. But regardless, as we exit this year and we enter into a new year, it'd be good for us to take time this morning and pray. Amen? You guys bow your heads with me. I know I've talked a lot about a lot of different things this morning and a lot of it sounds really simple, but sometimes it's much harder to put into practice. And, and what I don't want you to leave here with this morning is this sense of just being overwhelmed. Like you've got so much that you need to do or that you got to do. Matter of fact, the, the, really the goal of this message is the exact opposite. is going into this new year rather than feeling pressure, rather than feeling overwhelmed that you would feel a sense of peace that you would have some sense of, of simplicity and striving to do just the little things right. And so regardless of where you are on your journey this morning, I, I just want to pray for us all, and I just pray that these verses would sink down deep into our hearts and and as we move into the rest of the day, into the new year, that we would receive direction from the Lord about where to go individually or our families and as a church. Because we don't have all the answers, but we serve the one who does. So let's just take time and pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I love you so much. I really do. God, we're so thankful for your goodness this morning, for your mercy. I'm thankful that we can gather together each and every Sunday and we can learn about you and you can speak to us and you can convict our hearts, but you you can also fill us full of encouragement and you can empower us because ultimately, the Lord, if, if, if we are to do any of these things, if we're to seek you at all, if we're to live a life that's a quiet life, removed from the noises of the world, if we want to... God, stay focused on what you're doing in our lives and and love people around us and not be in competition or compare. God, if, if we're to work hard and stay and endure, God, we need you. And we need your equipping. We need your empowering. And so we depend on you, God. And we just trust you with our lives this morning, God. I pray over each and every person here, each and every family. I pray that you would give them direction. Lay out the path before them. God, we repent of our sin. We repent of the times we, we get it wrong and we fail. God, and we just thank you that your mercies are new every morning, that you love us, you care for us. And like the song said this morning, God, that we're God, you are ours and we are yours. And that's our identity. And like Clay mentioned earlier, God, let us just focus on you this year like we never have before. And let that be our only goal. Because when that's the goal, everything else will take care of itself. God, I pray just blessings on each and every family, every person here this morning, God. We love you and thank you in Jesus' mighty name. We're going to continue to to worship for just a few minutes. But again, I just encourage you, whether it is at your seat or around this altar, take some time. And pray and seek the Lord this morning. Amen. Love you guys.